we were adapting to that new scenario while um, trying to keep everything else working for everybody else, right? So the good news is the product architecture is designed to be scalable. The cloud-based nature of the, the architecture make it easy to provision new servers to meet the demand. Um, the preparation really paid off. That was Zoom Video Communications Chief People Officer Lynn Oldham describing how the early days of the COVID pandemic impacted Zoom's business. In today's episode, I'm really excited to sit down and chat with Lynn about the explosive growth they experienced in 2020. They went from 10 million daily meeting participants in December 2019 to 300 million daily meeting participants in April of 2020. And we're going to talk through what it was like to lead the organization through that scale, how it impacted their businesses, and what they're doing now. And so we're going to be back with that conversation after a brief word from our sponsor. Redefining HR one podcast at a time. Support for the Redefining HR podcast comes from PIN. PIN is building the world's first employee-centric communications tool, enabling your employees to automatically receive helpful messages at key moments throughout their journey, from onboarding to promotions and everywhere in between. PIN helps companies battle communication overload and puts your employees in control over when and how they receive information. Go to PINHQ.com for more information. That's P-Y-N-H-Q.com. And reinvent employee communications for the distributed workplace. And now, on to the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Redefining HR Podcast. I'm your host, Lars Schmidt. And today, I am really excited to be sitting down with the Chief People Officer for Zoom Video Communications, Lynn Oldham. Lynn and I uh, have some history. It's a past. We've collaborated on past projects, and it's been fascinating to watch her uh, experience and her role evolve at Zoom uh, at a time when Zoom has really become kind of the uh, preeminent platform for how we communicate with each other. So I'm really excited to chat with Lynn about uh, how she has navigated the company, the team, and her people team through that explosive growth. So Lynn, thanks so much for coming on the show. If you wouldn't mind, why don't you give the uh, listeners a brief intro on you? Yeah, that's great. Lars, first off, thank you for having me. Um, I uh, really am excited to talk to you about this. Uh, my name is Lynn Oldham. I have been at Zoom since just pre-IPO. Um, I have a very long and interesting HR career um, culminating in this fantastic job at this fantastic company at this fantastic time to be in my role. There's so much that's going to change and be exciting in the coming years and decades that I think we're at the pivot point and I love being here. Yeah. I mean, look, I think when we look back, uh, there probably will be some case studies uh, on your journey at Zoom during this time. And, uh, you know, maybe this will be a, a little preview of those case studies. But I, there's a lot of questions I have for you about sure. uh, your work at Zoom. But before we even get there, mm -hmm. what drew you to HR to begin with? So I like to say that it was meant to be um, through, through training, education, experiences. I got my first job out of university in HR. And um, just quick story, I had a uh, high school honors in business. And then somehow I got convinced to be a nursing major. 
oh boy, was that not for me? Not at all. Um, so I quickly figured that out, maybe not too quickly, but I got into then business admin finance. And when I finished, while I finished my degree, I was working in a hospital. So this company um, off the New York State Thruway hired me as their Ben admin as my first HR job because I had the bachelor's in business and I had medical lingo. So it was a little bit of, of all of those things coming together. So that's, that's how I got into the, into the arena. Yeah. And then, so you, you know, I know from your background, you have your JD as well. Mm-hmm. You know, did you, did you practice law at all, uh, mm-hmm. you know, during your, your career, what was the, uh, what was the driver in getting that, you know, pursuing that and then kind of deciding, uh, law wasn't for you and, uh, yeah. and HR was where you wanted to be. So I didn't immediately pursue my JD after my bachelor's. I actually spent eight years in HR first, but I wanted an advanced degree that would like add some real color to what I did. Um, And I thought about the MBA, but because my undergraduate is in finance, I said, let me diversify. So I went into uh, a law school at Seton Hall um, and I practiced really just for a hot minute Um, because I'd been in HR for so long. My deal was I like, you know, I like being in the mix. I want to advise the business. I want to really get in there. And as a lawyer, especially a a neophyte lawyer, they're not putting you in front of clients. You're not having any dialogue. And that was just making me crazy sitting in a law library all day. So while the law degree has helped me immensely with roles and, you know, arguing better and writing better, um, I think that, you know, practicing law was just not for me. Okay, so so HR was your home. I know you've had a uh, a storied career leading up to your role at Zoom. I do want to talk, actually. You know, when we first met, it was at you know Namely's conference a couple of years ago, back in the uh, the uh, the good old days of interacting with actual humans uh, live and going to conferences. And you know, I was really impressed with some of the the work that you were doing at Televerde, but uh, but more than just the work, you, the clear passion you had for programs and projects, uh, you know, supporting former inmates as they transitioned out of incarceration. And, you know, for listeners that may not be familiar with your work there, could you walk us through just that program a little bit? And then just, you know, uh, from there, I think, just tell us a little bit more about where that passion comes from. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, what an untapped talent source, um, really. At Televerity, I was able to, um, and let me just preface that by saying, I probably hadn't experienced purposeful work until I got to Televerity. I worked for a decade in banking. And while we talked the talk, we didn't walk the walk. But at Televerity, we walked the walk. We actually went into prisons. And my first experience in prison was was pretty harrowing, but more in all in my head than what it really was. Um, And we helped women skill build to a point that they became the best lead generators I've ever seen, ever seen. I'd sit in the middle of the, the call center and just close my eyes and you wouldn't know you were in prison and that you were surrounded by a people in a sea of people in orange. Um, and we paid them. So we, we paid them federal minimum wage. They learned valuable skills uh, and, and basically helped them find jobs when they were released. So, um, and what's cool is I've actually been able to stay in it in a number of ways one is I stayed associated with the 501c3 at Televerde that was uh, that associated with Televerde that helped build life skills. So all the things they need for the rest of their lives. Um, and I've had a chance to actually bring that 
um, to Zoom as well. So we've done some work with the last mile next chapter and brought some of that talent into Zoom as well. So I just think it's an amazing talent source that um, not everybody is willing to look at. And I think they are the most loyal, dedicated, want to do the best job for you. And it's just an awesome experience. Yeah, well, that's amazing. You've been able to kind of connect that through that, that, that passion and that interest and that, that deep belief to your, your current role at, at Zoom. Yeah. And I want to, you know, I guess that's a good segue to, to digging in. And I think most people, you know, if they, if they look at you and they look at your role at Zoom, they're like, well, of, of course, Zoom would be the place that you'd want to work. Like, look at how, uh, look at how much has been come, you know, it's part of the, the zeitgeist of how business operates. Uh, but you, you know, you didn't join uh, when there was a global pandemic. You joined before there was a global pandemic. And Zoom was one of, uh, you know, a range of video communication platforms that were out there. And so what, what compelled you to kind of, I knew that uh, Televerde was a role that you were really passionate about. What, what compelled you to make that shift to Zoom? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I wasn't really looking and I got that phone call. And at first I thought exactly what you said. There's a host of, of other video comms companies out there. Um, and we would, you know, the company will remain nameless. We use a different one at Televerity. <laughs> and um, we spent probably 15 minutes of the first, let's call it five to 15, depending on the day of, uh, of meeting time, of actual valuable meeting time that you could like sort of calculate based on who was in the room of, can you hear me? No, I can't hear you. I can't see the picture. <laughs> Hand me the, 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 you know, the connector so I can show my presentation. It was crazy. And I thought, I don't want to work for a company like that. Um, and, but I took the call and I had the first video um, conference with the CFO and I was amazed, amazed at how easy it was to connect. Um, so I took the next step and I made my way up to San Jose from Scottsdale and I had a, um, I had a, the, the in-person moment and I walk in and it says two words on the wall, we care. And I, you know, I'm a little skeptical. I've been around too long, maybe. But but a lot of folks write, a lot of companies write their values on the wall in the lobby. And then you walk behind and there's nothing to be seen of those values. Yeah. And that's not what I felt inside the the walls of Zoom. It was everybody was was bringing that, those two words on the wall to life. And so between the idea that the tool was phenomenal and they were living their values, I felt like I could make the move. And, um, and by the way, tech was the one industry I've worked in many, many industries was the one industry I hadn't cracked. So that was the other piece of it. So values, um, the, how great the product was and, and, um, the fact that it was a tech, uh, opportunity for me to work in tech were the three things that really drove me to pack up my U-Haul and move to San Jose, California. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm curious, actually, that's a great point that you raise, you know, having kind of not worked in tech and, uh, you know, obviously now that being a, a domain that you wanted to get some experience, I don't, I'd love to get your thoughts on why they selected you. And, and, and let me, let me kind of, you know, qualify that question. Like I think so many times, especially in tech, uh, you know, we, we, we have these fully baked preconceived notions 
of, you know, oh, to work in tech, you have to have worked in tech, right? Like you, 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 you build, especially as you're looking at HR executives, you look at, you have this profile in mind that has, you know, lots of, uh, of blue chip tech companies on the resume and, and, you know, CEOs and executive teams kind of get locked into that profile. Um, but obviously you, you came from a different background and you turned out to be an excellent fit for where the business was heading. You know, do you have any, any sense of like, what, what, what about, you know, you kind of captured their imagination and maybe help them overcome, uh, any, any perceptions that, or misconceptions about somebody not coming from tech? No, I, I think that is a great question, Lars. And it, it, it is something that plagues, um, recruiters, especially who get stuck in this idea that the only way, um, my client or whoever will look at someone as if they're in the same field. And I, I did break the mold. And I think I broke the mold because Zoom breaks the mold. We're, we're yeah. not a, you know, we're not that company that says you have to have done this. Um, and I was recruited directly. So I was speaking right to the CFO, no middlemen, which yeah. was kind of interesting. And I think we were at a time in our evolution that it was pre-IPO, just pre-IPO. And there was this idea of really taking a, and transforming the HR space um, into more of a business partnership and creating that scale that we were going to need post-IPO. So all of those things were translatable skills. And I, I think, and seeing beyond the idea that, that you had to have tech before was what Zoom could do. So they, they were really looking at the translatable skills, which is what I think we all should do. Um, yeah. uh, and, and then we can, we can get the best, right, for, for the role. So um, it, was, it, it was and is still a very exciting place to be. And it's, uh, uh, we are very open to, um, you know, what we're looking for at Zoom is really people who have the ability to, you know, be continuous learners and, and grow and bend with the company. And I think that's exactly who I am. So it worked out. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's great. And talk about, you know, living, living those values, you know, when you're able to, to apply that thinking to, you know, arguably one of your most important hires in the entire organization that, that speaks volumes about your, uh, you know, your values and kind of what, what's important to you as an organization. Um, you know, I'd imagine probably 100% of the uh, listeners are familiar with Zoom as a product, but take us behind the screen a little bit. What, you know, what is the, uh, you know, kind of company size? Uh, how, you know, if you can maybe give some insight into how large your organization is and kind of what your people team uh, looks like from a size and structure standpoint to support them. Yes. Um, on our last earnings call, we talked about the fact that we have now 3,800 employees globally. Um, when we were going through the IPO, our number was, I joined at 1,700. So we've more than doubled um, at this point in time. And I think, you know, we're, we're and we're continuing to grow. Uh, I, uh, I, last time I looked, 40% of our workforce um, was not ever in a Zoom office, which means we've hired them during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and so we call ourselves people experience. The people experience team was about uh, 70% recruiting when I got there. So, so just a, a really a talent hub. Um, and what I did 
is bring on many other expertises onto the team. Um, attraction, obviously a big part of it, but then you have to think about how do we retain? How do we develop? How do we ensure the leaders are ready? You know, all the things that you think about at the next stage of the company. It's now a typical center of excellence model with business partners um, that face off to um, the business uh, to ensure that those COEs are well-informed on how they create what they create for the business. But it's, it's, um, it's definitely a very different look uh, than when I joined. Still a huge recruiting engine, but um, with all the other parts and pieces as well. We're, we are now a well-oiled machine. Got it. And, and let's, I want to, you know, kind of take the clock back a little bit. You know, you're, you're about a year into your role. Uh, all of a sudden this thing called COVID uh, sweeps the planet and kind of upends all companies uh, and all people teams. Uh, and I think, you know, has probably a pretty profound and, and, you know, one of a kind in, in many ways, impacts to zoom because you're in this position as a CPO where, you know, you're, you're shifting all of your operations to remote and distributed. Everybody's navigating what, what this new global pandemic is at a time where now the demand for your platform is exploding. So what, what was that like for you? Like if you had to kind of teleport back to, you know, February, March, April of last year, what was that? What was that experience like? What were the emotions? How did you how did you navigate that? Yeah, I think um, it, it, if I rem- it was I remember the day I was on my way to San Francisco um, to meet with folks from the next chapter and I was having to like execute a U-turn um, because I got the call to say, you know what, this is not um, you know, this is not going away. We need to close the offices and let's let's put it into action. And we literally turned it on a dime, which is something we can do just because we're all used to our tool, right? It's it's not as easy for other companies who may have been using it more intermittently, but we use our tool every day, all day. So while it felt normal because we we had the the framework to 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 do all the work, we were also never um, in a remote, I mean, only 18% of our workforce was remote prior to this. Everybody came to an office. So we were adapting to that new scenario while um, trying to keep everything else working for everybody else, right? So the good news is the product architecture is designed to be scalable. The cloud-based nature of the, the architecture make it easy to provision new servers, to meet the demand. Um, the preparation really paid off. We had to scale up very quickly because even though the system can uh, can scale up probably quicker than the people, we still needed more people. So that was really what I remember is just like, okay, now how do we um, execute faster in the talent acquisition space? Um, and you know, trying everything we could to make sure we had enough people to run the things that needed to be run by people, right? So. Um, and that's where I, I, I said to 40% of our employees have been, have joined since COVID began. Um, and it's been, it's been quite a journey. The, what keeps us going as a team is, is the essential service nature of what we're doing. So we have this cool and inspiring stories chat where our employees are putting 
all the references that we 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 have to um, the things that are happening around us on Zoom, uh, and it just really, I mean, if you need a boost, that's where you go, right? And 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 the biggest thing I think we all got really excited about was turning off the the um, the limits and and making uh, Zoom free for K through twelve, and I think that really inspired everybody to ensure that kids were still getting educated in spite of um, not being able to be in person. And, and, you know, even getting to see your classmates this way is, is better than, than not. Right. So um, it, it was an exciting, really exciting time. And we, and we did things for the teachers through a summer Academy to teach them how to do it better so that when we opened in the fall for school, school was reopened, it was even better. So all those things, even though it was maybe crazy turmoil at, at times, were, were keeping us really excited and engaged. I think that that was um, part of the journey and it was uh, an incredible one and still is. I mean, we're, we're, we're all working really hard to make sure that people can meet at, uh, all the time, right? Whether that's for work or for happy hour, or for a wedding, um, you know, or a graduation. Those are things that I think are have been really the the the, the glue that's held this all together. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of amazing when you think about how the use case of your platform has evolved, and what I'm sure were very uh, you know unexpected and never planned for ways. Right, it went from kind of a business communication platform to a life communication platform, you know, and you, and you touched on it, you know, school, work, weddings, uh, happy hours and social events. It's just, uh, it's been, it's been amazing to see how that's evolved. My, you know, my oldest is, uh, was in kindergarten last year. So she was, you know, navigating zoom with, uh, you know, a teacher who was new to that and, and students. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just, it's, it's just become something where, you know, Zoom is really uh, one of those platforms, uh, much like Google, that's kind of become a verb that's just transcended, uh, I think, the initial uh, uh, use case. When you when you think about, you know, the, the interesting thing about now, so, you know, for all chief people officers who had to navigate their companies through last year, uh, a very difficult thing to do. And some companies were fighting for survival, uh, having reductions and reductions and some were, were reinventing themselves and, and moving into a whole, having to pivot the whole entire business to, to adapt to what the new reality was for them. Uh, and then others like Zoom were, were thriving. And so how, you know, for your team, navigating, experiencing kind of the duality of navigating, helping your kind of Zoomies individually, you mentioned, you know, they're mostly co-located offices, helping them make that adjustment uh, to working remotely while also having kind of the foot on the gas on the growth engine and, and hiring and scaling and developing, like how, as the architect of all of that, like how, how did you kind of help them navigate uh, kind of both sides of that where, you know, uh, dealing with new needs from the, the Zoomies and the employee population that they haven't maybe had to deal with before. And then also being really focused on scale and growth. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's been, um, an interesting journey because, you know, first and foremost, you know, our employees are, are sisters, brothers, mothers, fathers first, right? And just allowing them to have that room to be that was critical as we navigated through this. Um, and 
part of that was me making sure we were getting enough people on board so that folks could, um, you know, regenerate and feel better. Um, but, but giving them the room also just to have, you know, those, those feelings because our, I mean, our employees were no different than anyone else's. They may have had a job, but they also were, might have a spouse who was out of work. I had one employee whose parents both lost their jobs. So she was not only supporting herself as an adult, but also her parents. So I think, you know, just giving people um, some room to, to, to be who they were and experience what they were experiencing and, and listening for sure. Um, Because our number one value is caring, we're, we're big on employee listening and making sure that we're um, responding to, to what our employees are asking, both through those listening modes um, of like surveys, but also just, we did um, this one, uh, probably really early on, we did um, uh, connecting through conversation. And we had our leaders running intact team conversations with the help of facilitated by one of my folks who really just it wasn't about the work. It was about what was going on with them and how, how were they coping? And so really just motoring on, you know, and, and, and moving forward through the value of caring was important for us. I think then, you know, looking outward, you know, as we, we did what I said earlier, which was, you know, look at what we were doing for the world. We were trying to really make sure that we were doing things like we we partnered with the American Heart Association for a happy hour, but a happy hour wasn't alcoholic. It was about taking care of yourself. Um, and then we mirrored that inside. So we were trying to do inside, outside. The inside with bringing on a new vendor in the mental health space. We actually expanded on our benefits, uh, our wellness benefits to include grocery delivery. Um, so you know, whoever did the groceries didn't have to go out and expose themselves and could, could get that in. Um, uh, you know, many, many things like that. I think just making sure at all points we were listening and, yeah. and giving people an opportunity to be heard on, on what their issues were and not just saying, oh, well, we're Zoom, we're moving so fast, like deal with it. We were, we were very much um, and still are. That's who we, who we are at our core um, so we just made sure that that was amped up, um, during, during this time. Yeah. And I think, you know, you talk about values showing up in terms of how you operate, not necessarily just posters on the wall. It feels like that's kind of indicative of, of living those, you know, and, and, yes. and, and, and experiencing those, uh, as employees and you as a leader, I think kind of instilling that into how you prioritize taking care of employees, um, you know, during what is, you know, in a weird way, like both a very difficult time, but also probably a very exhilarating time uh, of experiencing that growth. Um, I want to shift to something, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I know you launched with a a cohort of CPOs uh, earlier this year called FlexWork. Actually, I think you actually launched it in December and it's scaling now. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about this. We're both, uh, you know, open source and work out loud uh, nerds ourselves and, you know, <laughs> champions of open practices. So for listeners that aren't familiar with FlexWork, maybe if you can just, you know, walk, walk them through um, what it is, how it came to be, how they can tap into it. Yeah, that's great. Um, the f- it actually 
was born um, out of the business. Uh, our five CEOs uh, from Box, Uber, Palo Alto Networks, Splunk, and Zoom. Was that five? Did I get all five? Yes. Um, who uh, wanted to see, you know, where this would all take us and um, got us all our, the, their chief people officers in a room uh, and, and really wanted to talk about what might the future of work look like? How do we get there? How do we get there through experimentation? Um, let's, we, we didn't want to just keep it within the five. We really wanted to open it up, like you said, open source and say, you know, who else is doing stuff? What does it look like? What worked? What's not working? How do we tweak it? You know, it was, it, it's about really this grand experiment, just like you talk about, uh, Lars, it's, it's not that I'm doing it better than you, or you're doing it better than me. It's right. Like, let's do this together because really, you know, competitive edge at the end of the day, if we do the same thing in two different places, it's going to be a different thing anyway. Right. Because different culture, different people. So why not share? Um, we've not seen anything like this in our entire lifetimes in terms of how this pandemic is going to alter work. And I think the more we talk about it together, the better off we'll be um, in the long term. Uh, and, and that's what flex work is all about. It's about sharing experience um, across companies and seeing how we can um, not waste a good pandemic and and ensure that we're where we you know I'm, I, I'd say that tongue-in-cheek but at the no, end of the know, day you know we just have not had anything this jarring to the way we work and I think you know I was talking to to some of the business people the other day about you know how zoom was sort of building toward the future and you know it was a long-term future where we could see more remote over time this was like boom you know like turn on turn turn uh, on a dime. And I think, you know, less about the product now, more about sort of the way we work. It's it's really not going to go back. We, we've learned so many great things during this time. And I think, you know, we've got to adapt. We can't just say we're going back to the way it was. That's that's not going to float. In fact, you won't, you you will have companies that, that don't think about adaptation will uh, face extinction, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, uh, you know, for the companies out there that feel they can just revert to business as usual and, and the yeah. HR teams, frankly, mm -hmm. um, you know, that failure of imagination and failure to seize this moment uh, is going to be their downfall, frankly. Exactly. I mean, I think it's just, it's a different world. And what I loved about Flexworks when you introduced it was the idea that you know, it really, uh, it was deeply rooted in open source thinking mm -hmm. uh, and kind of ethos around, you know, bringing people together and saying, let's share our practices, let's share case studies, let's share templates and toolkits on, on how we're not just doing things now, but how we're thinking about doing things tomorrow, right? And that, right. that forward-looking piece is something that uh, is, is not often easy to come by. Um, for listeners that want to check it out, where can they find Flexworks? How can they, yeah. how can they interact with the content? Flexwork.live is, is the site. Um, we're having monthly get-togethers. Actually, we're trying to step it up to get it to at least every two to three, but right now we're at monthly cadence. Um, we're getting together in a, in a Zoom meeting fashion 
Um, we do breakouts. We pick a topic um, that's interesting. We, we source the topic through the group. Um, we've done a wellness topic. How are we making sure our employees are staying well through this? Um, and not just, you know, from a, a COVID perspective, but mental wellness. And we've done um, one just yesterday that was so lively on what does hybrid mean? And, or, you know, what are the different ways we could go back and how do we, how do we, you know, even think about that? So it was, it was really interesting and lively. Uh, I think FlexWork Live is your best bet. You can sign up in the community right there. Awesome. Well, uh, Lynn, I will uh, add a link in the show notes uh, for awesome. the podcast so uh, listeners can find that easily. And uh, thanks so much for making time to come on the podcast, sharing uh, sharing your journey at Zoom and beyond, and uh, really for uh, for your leadership in the space. Thank you, Lars. This was great. I always enjoy talking to you. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Redefining HR. For more information on the podcast, past episodes, future guests, the Redefining HR book, or free resources, be sure to check out redefininghr.com. And if you dig this podcast, why don't you share it with your CEO, your executive team, and your friends to help them discover what Redefining HR is all about. If you really dig this podcast, I'd love for you to leave a review on whatever podcast delivery vehicle your ears prefer. See you next week.